Well, Liam, thanks for joining, man. Appreciate it. Of course. It's exciting stuff. So, technical director of the USL. How long have you been in that role? This role two years, but it's been four years total that I've been here at USL. Did, did you start as a coach and you get into the front office, or how? how take, uh, walk us through your background. Yeah, of course. So obviously, fell in love with the game as a player yeah. first and foremost. I uh, realized I didn't have the knees to become a player. Okay. Had okay. eight knee surgeries. Eight. Yeah. I tore my ACL twice before my seventeenth birthday. So I became a coach at a young age, and that just led to me finding a, a career path to stay in the game. Right? Yeah. And to try to find a, a path where I could give back to the game, but obviously also, for me, my passion has always been the sporting side, coaching, player development, right? So, starting to get my licenses at a young age, um, started working at MLS when I was 17, right, early on with yeah. the Revolution, then Sporting KC, where I was obviously in the soccer department and really connecting Sporting KC to grassroots clubs all over the Midwest, okay. an affiliate program, yeah. and then through that time, I was getting my coaching licenses, I was coaching in the youth game a lot, and so uh, while I was doing that, I built a relationship with people at USL, and one thing led to another, and they wanted to bring me over to really create what is now USL Academy. Right. And that has obviously grown by leaps and bounds, and it become a much bigger project, and now that's where I have the opportunity to serve as the technical director of the league, really try to oversee all player coaching youth development initiatives across now both the men's and women's Right. What uh, what are some of those initiatives that we're which we're talking about? Like where where do you see the USL Academy growing? Uh, no, great question. I mean, for us, it's uh, USL Academy is not a youth. It's a pathway program, right? And that's I think what's so unique about the way in which we've set this up. Yeah. Is that ultimately you can't even be in USL Academy unless the program you're operating is pointed towards a senior team, a men's or a men's professional or amateur side. Does it have to be a championship team or can it be a league one side? Any level. And, that, and that's again okay. where I say that the cool thing and, and what we've realized is most of the communities we're going to go into, they, they won't be professional pathways, right. Right. but they'll still be W League pathways or League Two pathways. It's still an opportunity for a club to extend their pathway beyond U19, to bring right. back alumni players, to have a team that can be represented over their community, right? I think that's the beauty of where USL is going, because we are truly becoming representative of the global game in America. Yeah. Very community-based clubs, people feel like it's their local team they want to support. And for a player, and this is why we're so bullish on our player development model, right. that is USL, is now a player knows that is the nearest men's or women's right. team. Right? And that's where we're trying to change the paradigm in youth development, where we don't want kids to just stay within their birth year and right. year to right. win youth games. I, if you're the best teenager in the market, I want you to be pushed into men's or women's football as soon as development appropriate, even maybe sooner. Right. Get you out right. of your comfort zone. Challenge you. If you're good enough, you're old enough, right? Yeah. yeah. What, what does that player development initiative, I guess, look like? And how, how does it? How do you go about developing it? Do you work with the other USL clubs in doing that, or is it just a lame thing like, hey, this is not? Right. No, 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 yeah. so, no, no. So that's a good thing. Is, um, uh, everything about USL Academy is based off of these standards, minimum standards that we have, required versus recommended standards, right? And really, it actually models a lot of what you see in the UK with the EEEE system. Mm-hmm. Actually, you can see that we'll be categorizing, publicly ranking our USL Academy programs. Wow. And to that point, it's about meeting the standards. So. Yeah. Just because you're a pro club does not mean you're going to get level one status. Right. Because you need to be justifying that you're actually investing in the program, making 
fully funded, right. eliminating like, barriers to access, and more importantly, not just operating a youth team with your same badge, and be showing that players are progressing yeah. through that pathway. Right. I got what are some some KPIs that you guys use? What are some metrics to measure how successful academies are and are uh, and and how how's you know the just measuring success? What does that look like? Love that question because frankly yeah. we don't care who wins yeah. the yeah. Academy Cup or the yeah. Academy League. Our measure of success are what kids are moving through those pathways. Yeah. Are we producing more collegiate players? Professional players, or pushing more teenagers into soccer, even if it's just in the summer, getting a W League experience, right. or League Two experience, right. and then obviously, like you know, we're not going to hide anything. Like the reason I have a job and why we're here is because yeah. we are in pro soccer, right. for profit entertainment, sure. and the, in the biggest and one of the biggest revenue streams that we have not tapped into as a football nation is yeah. the global transfer. That's what's unique about soccer, which American soccer is just realizing, I feel like, is that there is a business model for player development. Yeah. And so our ultimate vision is that we want there to be multiple IXs, Benficas of America, who have a business model yeah. of producing and pushing on talent. That's exciting. That's an exciting thought. Right. Yeah. Because you don't. You don't really think about that from it, and, and until you brought it up, we haven't. I feel like we have. It's unknown and it's untapped in this industry and this country and in that transfer market. I think FC Dallas does a good job of it, but um, how, how does the USL Academy differ from the MLS Next? Also, a good question. And actually, tomorrow we'll be doing a panel discussion oh, nice. with the GM of MLS Next. Um, I mean, quite frankly, it's uh, MLS Next is a phenomenal youth league. But that's what it is. Yes. It's a traditional youth league like USYS, UCNL, JL, where it's a team every one or two birth years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like there are endless academies in there that have true pathways to local senior teams. Right. But there's plenty of, the majority of the clubs participating in MLS, and the next, their pathway ends at U19. Right. Unless they, and, and, and let's be frank, even the ones that have them on pathways or that are connected to them, yeah. players aren't progressing into those. Sure. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, but at the same time, we're supportive of it. So believe it or not, 30% of the MLS Next membership are actually associated with USL pathways. Interesting. Same that, goes for yeah. ECNL. Oh, yeah, I and that's why we're agnostic to yeah. youth leagues, right? Because look, for Lou City, Louisville City, right. who is for sure producing talent <laughs> for their first team right. out of Kentucky, right. they chose ECNL. So they have individual teams in ECNL that feed into their USL Academy and then their yeah. women's or men's pathways. Whereas um, we've got other clubs like Phoenix Rising where they're in MLS Next yeah. because that made more sense for them in their area. And so long as they're still committed to our pathway program, right. we don't really care which youth league they're in. And that's kind of the beauty of how we're rolling this out. Is yeah. it's more, for us, it's a lot more, it's a lot more about training environment uh -huh. and the vertical integration between that first team and second team so if you're a player there I'm not going to give you the club won't even get membership until I have confidence we have confidence that that club's going to manage your individual development plan yeah. and if you do well in the academy space someone in that senior team has their eyes and ears on you and will promote you into the senior team based on that performance so it's just a different model yeah, yeah. no but it makes sense it's it's, an, it's it, it makes sense, right? That's really the best way to put it. Is that you're you're trying you know you're just combining. Look, the easiest way to say this and what's funny is like yeah. 
when people understand it that way and they realize well, this isn't just another youth league outfit suit. Right. Which I which initially, sorry, I th I'm, I'm one of those. I'm guilty, I'm guilty of it, right? Yeah. But what's funny is everyone has the reaction because guess what? We're taking the same model yeah. that has worked for decades right. globally in countries that produce like professional right. players consistently. We're just fitting that in yeah. between the realities of pay to play youth soccer, which is not going to go away in this country, and this awkward, evolving senior team space. Right. right. Which is again why, like, you'll see some divisions in Academy League this year that are only going to play six games. Because that's not my priority, is to win the events right. and games battle, right. so long as those kids are on a path and get an opportunity to progress. Sure, 100%. What's the outlook look like in the next five to ten years? Really good. <laughs> <laughs> really good, yeah. I mean, everyone knows USL's growing like crazy, but yeah. no one knows how much we're about to grow. Okay. There's a lot, there's plenty of folks. I've been working with some folks for upwards of two years that I've yeah. not even been announced yet. Really? Yeah. And so, are you going to announce it? <laughs> I can't think of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but no, like, I mean, that's the cool thing is um, I feel firmly confident that we are and will continue to be one of the most influential stakeholders in where the landscape and the growth of the game goes in this country because there is no other stakeholder in this country that has men's, women's, youth, adult, yeah. and professional, amateur. There's no other entity in this country that hits checks all those boxes. Right. Let alone the fact that we have a footprint yeah. that no one else will have. Like we're in communities like Little Rock, Arkansas. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and, and, and they are bought in to this concept, which is awesome. Do you think more MLS clubs should be tied to a championship club? Like now that you're mentioning all this, the MLS and USL also work together in some ways, but you're also different. You also work separately in some ways. Like, should it? Do you think it would be better if everything was just combined into one, or are you, are you kind of against it? Personally, I I I, I would prefer yeah. that that was the case. Obviously, just like with the youth space, like with, with different business models, right? With different priorities, with what we're trying to build. I actually think we're different soccer products at the professional level. Okay. Um, yeah. I really do, um, and that goes. I think you, you'll see that even in terms of how clubs will do business and developing and moving talent in the coming yeah. years. It aligns more with the international game, the way we're operating, whereas they align more with traditional American pro sports. Okay. Yeah. Not the global game. Right. right. It's not good, bad, right, wrong. Like, they will probably be the NFL of soccer. Yeah, yeah. Game, but like, so we're in a position where we could actually actually pursue some system of pro route right. in the next few years and be a representation of what, what we see on the weekends. That's all, we, that's all we've been asking for. That's all we've been asking for. We just want some type of promotion relegation in America. Yeah, right? honestly, so, I think that that could be a key to us also realizing our potential in the football nation. Yeah, 100%, 100%. How would that, how do you make that possible? You're the brains behind this, so you got... <laughs> I'm personally not, but I can tell you there are a lot of people in the office yeah. investing a lot of time into a meaningful exploration of how we implement that. Um, and it is a lot more, it is not just a, a publicity stunt. We, yeah. are, we are very actively looking, and again, looking at where we're going to be in five to ten years. Right. We're, we're very actively exploring this email and dialogue with our senior leadership. That's exciting. Five years, when we, when we come back to this table in five years, we're going we're gonna to have the promotion relegation, so I'll be excited for it. Where have you grown in the past in your career as a as a leader as a business person as a quote unquote coach? I mean, where where have you grown over the years? 
That's a good question. Um, it's, it's, it's funny. This is a, I've had a few like full circle moments recently yeah. in my career because uh, even as a player, I, I, you know, I wasn't always the best player, but I always re I, I realized early on this is some really good advice from my dad. <laughs> if I was the hardest working player, yeah. That I could still make a massive impact. So I've always applied that to my life and even um, in my career, right? Yeah. I have not always been the smartest person. I've not always had the best eye for talent. I've not always been the best coach. But I've probably worked harder than most of the people around me. Yeah. Year over year over year over year. Did you see my schedule this week? Yeah, yeah. I was late to this podcast. It's, it's because of that, right? Right. But I'm a, I'm a big believer, and in, in, in a big philosophy of mine has always been. Like, if you give back to the game, it actually gives back to you too. Right? And if you lead by just giving, whether it's to colleagues here, coaches here, players, if you give a little bit extra, you'll probably get even more fulfillment yeah. back to you after the fact. So I think that that's always been a core philosophy of mine. And, um, and that's why I've been, I think, successful in, in building this USL Academy concept at yeah. such a rapid rate because. When I pick up, when I reach out to our clients, our clubs, whether it's Little Rock, Arkansas, or Miami, or Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I really first and foremost try to ask them about what they want to need as an organization, meet them where they're at, and then try to determine where they are, our goals and ambitions from the league. Right. Um, but I think because of that, because we're building equity with these clubs and supporting them and what they, the direction they want to go, and we're trusting them to be our eyes and ears in that market to guide us, Yeah. It, it leads them to want to reciprocate that and want to work with us to, to pursue these visions. And that's the good thing is it motivates them right. to be leaders within their community. Sure. What, what are some of those things that these clubs want, if you can generalize without getting into too much info, unless you want to. You want to I mean, like, easiest way to put it is we, 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 the way we describe it is like there's three buckets of development that, yeah. that a club needs to look at. And everything they do within each bucket affects the other. Okay. So it's player development, fan development, and business development. Right? These clubs need business development right. to sustain themselves, right? Sure. To bring revenue that offsets the cost of their programming. And again, it's a for profit business. So yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. are also investing in this because they don't get a return on investment right. time, right? right. Um, <laughs> you're not going to be really successful with business development unless you're developing fans. Right. right? And at the same time, like, especially in the pre professional space and these smaller communities, who are those fans? They're probably your youth soccer fans. Right, of course. So the way I talk about it is like, yes, I understand you may want to pursue business development goals. Yeah. And you need fans to do that. But if you don't first and foremost care about developing players and coaches in the community and supporting those soccer organizations that already already existed before you ever came in and dropped the USL flag, yeah. then they probably won't become fans and they probably won't spend money. But if you instead come in with this attitude of how can we improve our soccer community together yeah. and you listen before you demand, they're probably more likely to say, that guy was cool. We should go to their game. We should yeah, bring yeah, their yeah. whole team. We should go support them. Right. And you develop fans who are now spending money on FNB, on merchandise, yeah, yeah, yeah. on ticket sales, following the games abroad, which increases your sponsorship revenue, and now it feeds itself. If that makes sense. Yeah. So like that's that's really a big part of my role is getting them to understand the interconnectedness between all those strategies and that yes, you need different strategies for each, but if you don't think about how they affect each other. Yeah. With a long-term lens, then it probably be a sustainable project. Yeah. You know, did you work with 
the players to make the collective bargaining agreement recently? Personally, that, that personally, no. Obviously, colleagues, okay. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a monumental moment for the sure. professionalization of our leagues. Yeah, 100%. Going back to the your buckets, right? Which clubs do you think do some of the best work in, in terms of their marketing and, and their fan engagement strategies? Blue City is yeah. one that pops in the moment. Like, what, what are they? New Mexico United, yeah. um, San Diego Loyal. And I think I think they're finding that right balance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you go to the stadium, it is an incredible game day experience at those venues. You gotcha. know what I mean? Yeah. Irregardless yeah. of you know, uh, the level that it's on, anything like that. And then at the same time, you can tell off outside of the state, those groups have a very real presence within the community. Yeah. Right? Like, Blue City is a good example because they, they, they've done a full youth club, boys and girls. So you have players that are wearing Blue City, right. racing Blue Year, right. year round, all the time, and it's part of their identity. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. They, they associate their experience in soccer with that. I think that's ultimately where we're trying to get to. Right? Yeah. Is that within each of these communities, these USL brands are ultimately the top of that little pyramid. Right? Yeah. And that, again, uh, it's just like we said, we call it the cradle to grave cradle strategy. Grave. Yeah. That from if you have a kid and, they, and you're going to sign on for that early childhood, you know, first step into soccer, right. it's sporting stripes. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and yeah. after their first spring sporting stripe season, they're going to go to a sporting KC game and get to walk on the field and yeah, yeah. experience being in front of fans and on this beautiful stadium field. And then as they progress, maybe they progress into our camps program or one of our branded affiliate clubs or the club we operate. If they're really good, maybe they progress direct into that academy structure. Yeah. And if they aren't, that's fine because they can then sidestep as they get older and become right. a parent. And then and now and now they're a fan for life. And it's just like if you again make this truly part of the community and, and, and tie it to their soccer experience with the community, you, you now have fans that are right. Investing in the experience with the club for decades, not just a one-off corporate outing with right. staff. Right. So, so you're working with like the the front office people of these clubs as well as coaches. Correct. Yeah, and that's an interesting intersection of a role. Right. Is that I'm my role is is sporting focused. Right. But again, especially with the reality of how these clubs operate, if I just talked about the ideal sporting environment. Be like, well, how are we paying for it? Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. so because I lead with this idea of like, uh, perfect example, like we're consulting a club in a small town in Louisiana right now. Right. They're they're uh, they have a men's amateur side. They're working on having a women's amateur side in W League as well over time. And you know, they want to respect the existing youth soccer groups that are in the community, but they also want to launch a USL academy program. And they want it to be fully funded. All good intention. And so they're saying, well, how can I offset the cost of that budget? Yeah. And so we're now working on stuff like camps or tournaments or rec programs, things that won't be invasive, take away from what the current organizations in the community are doing. It'll add to the soccer experience locally. Right. But and people will pay if it's a sure. quality, professionally run experience, and then that. Not only is that going to um, give them an affinity with, with that local USL brand right. and have a positive soccer experience with them, they'll probably leave them to go to the senior yeah. team game. Yeah. But the club just also brought in revenue that allows them to do a fully funded academy, which again shows the community that when you give back to the club, they're going to give back to you. 
For sure. Uh, like, what's been the most memorable time for you over your four years working with the USL? That's a great question. <laughs> I, I get lucky every no, now no. and then. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a pandemic. Yeah. Pandemic first hit. Yeah. So US so we were supposed to host our first ever USL Academy Cup national tournament okay. in May of twenty twenty. Needless to say that tournament didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was official it was the first official casualty of COVID in our company, right? So like yeah. you know when that, that night where like the NBA game just ended and yeah, 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 shut down, like yeah. within a day or two we canceled that Academy Cup and then within a week we like postponed League One and the championship. Right. League two right. was shuttered for the summer, like so we were the first casualty, and like, I gotta admit, like, I, it was such a low point. Yeah. It was a year and a half into the job. I was like, this is my biggest opportunity to like shine a light on this project right. on a national level, and it meant that I wasn't gonna be able to do it for a whole other year, right? right. And so I felt kind of like, you know, I, I was depressed by that. Yeah. And it, but then suddenly, the DA folded. This is the reality. And honestly, like, we were prepared to launch USL Academy in either fall. 21 or fall 22, yeah. maybe even fall 23, right? And when the DA dropped, we, we, we as a leadership team came together literally on Saturday morning and we said, are we going to accelerate the academy? Yeah. It wasn't so much about like being opportunistic, it's that we saw a void in the landscape and our clubs were even saying, now's the time, can you yeah. And so that was what was crazy, man. It's like yeah. I built the USL Academy League in my one-bedroom apartment in yeah, Tampa, yeah. <laughs> basically just on the phones non-stop and, yeah. and, and you see though like people wanted it and needed something different you know yeah. you got that Taylor Tallman man right, right what are we doing yeah, well, yeah then we need to do something different yeah and I think people, that's what people that's why this is growing so fast and so support so early on because we are delivering a different product within the youth space yeah and people want something different yeah sure what's been aside from now what, what, what's the challenge you're facing now because I don't want to go back to, no, to COVID, but like it's uh it's the challenge every soccer organization at a national scale in this country. We are a large rural spread out nation. Right. Continent of country. Yeah. Our talent is dispersed. Right? And so there's a reason why when you look at all these national leagues, most of them are there's certain states that most of them have a presence in. Right. Because that model doesn't work. Right. Right? Whereas ours is one team per community across a wider age range. So a smaller community can compete in that yeah. sense a little more, right? So the, the challenge is just continuing to solve the football, right? And so like I've got some regional divisions, for example, where I've got clubs like who believe in the academy model, are ready to, to really dive into it. But I don't have enough critical mass. So I'm, there's certain divisions we have not launched in W League, in League Two, and in, in the Academy League yet, because until we have enough clubs with a travel plan is requiring to fly for pre-professional and youth games, we're not going to open up the division. Right. But because of that, this is the exciting part that I was talking about earlier. When we know where expansion is going. Yeah. Like, we will have, by, before the World Cup, we will have 18 to 20 regional divisions within USL Academy 18. across five different conferences. Wow. There will be very few platforms that are, that, relate, that are similar to this that will be able to offer that experience with that right. limited amount of travel demand. That, I mean, that's the, it's the big... It's a big thing that everybody hates, right? It's all the travel. I mean, too much. Too yeah. many kids are traveling too much right now. My Pittsburgh club teams are driving eight hours to Chicago, Minnesota. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm 
I'll stay at home. You guys go. See you later. But, but, that's, but that's the problem. Is like right. It's because we've exacerbated it. And we've created these business models that are based on yeah. travel and big events. Like, don't remember, we host a big event in the Silicon Valley Cup, but and we have pubs that want us to do more. Right. That's not our prerogative. Yeah. You know? Motion relegation, 18 to 20 divisions. Right. Amazing. <coughs> Future of the USL is bright, isn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. Especially you know, within that strategy, right? When we elevate these clubs and start ranking them, you're going to see these level one clubs. They'll play within the regional tradition, but also the conference play. Yeah. So now you're going to see that the Rowdies will just play in Florida with their USL Academy team in a few years. We'll also be going and playing games against Birmingham Legion, against NCFC, right? And the other beautiful part about the way we structure USL Academy is it's like a youth open cup. Yeah. Little Rock Rangers is going to be playing games in the same regional division as Memphis 901 in the championship. That's pretty cool. And that's pretty yeah, cool yeah. as a kid in Little Rock to be like, I'm going to go toe-to-toe with the kid who might already be on a pro deal with the championship right. club and right. might be a youth national team player, and I can prove myself against him. And also, hey, by the way, I'm, the Academy League is now creating an environment where these kids in these amateur or smaller communities are being exposed yeah. to professional coaches. Right. So we're also creating a scouting network. Yeah. It's by accident. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. sure. It's going to be more players. Yeah. Last question that I'd like to end with is once you start running the USL, whatever it is, you leave the USL, go run the Premier League, whatever you do. <laughs> what's, the, what's the legacy that, that you want to leave behind? Uh... I've got a couple big hairy goals. Yeah. Uh, one of which uh, I want to make sure my role and my career ultimately um, allows me to grow the game and make this one of the most premium sports in the country across all metrics. Um, I want us to realize our potential as a football nation to be consistently competitive in the World Cups and Olympics and everything on both the men's and women's side. Um, but I don't think that's possible unless we create the right infrastructure and system right. to create that sustainability. Um, and then on a personal level, I want to win the World Cup. Yeah. I want to win the World Cup and I want to have a role that supports our men's national team and women's national team in winning World Cups consistently. And hopefully that means I get a World Cup medal in my trophy cabinet. <laughs> I hear you. I, hey, I'm rooting for you now. I'm rooting for you. So I appreciate the time. Thank you. All right.